This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. I will tell you that in my practice, just about every day I get a question about what their child's language is like or speech. It's really difficult sometimes to know exactly what's right, what's wrong, and when should we be concerned, and how can we actually help our kids to develop language as they're meant to be. I'm going to tell you a little story my youngest son really didn't talk for a very long time. And he actually, though, was on point for his age. But I was really concerned because my oldest son, Gabe, by the time he was two, was talking very fluently and in full sentences. I always joked that I really had nothing more to teach this boy by the time he was three. But then came Ben, and he's my quiet one. And it's kind of a running joke in our house right now because I kind of felt like this child never talks. Even as he grew up, of course, he could talk, but to be able to hold a conversation because there's so much more to speech than just language. And so what I learned from a conversation with him when he was in college was that he actually was quite a wonderful speaker and held great conversations with intelligent uh, discussion, etc. And I said, wow, it took me 20 years to realize that my son could talk. And he goes, mom, I can talk. He goes, but I can't ever get a word in edgewise between you and Gabe and dad. So I have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Lenora Edwards, and she is the chief knowledge officer of Better Speech. Let me tell you a little bit about her. So she is ASHA board certified in language, speech language, and as a and as a pathologist working with Better Health. She works with individuals of all ages, from little ones who are learning to understand and express themselves to adults who want to improve their speaking skills and become more fluent and an effective communicator. She loves to teach and educate others, and Better Speech is wonderful because it's an online speech therapy company that has been remote long before COVID ever happened. Their team of national and international-based speech-language pathologists are all board certified and licensed and they're experts and help people communicate in the most efficient and affordable way possible. So thank you so much, Lenora, for joining me today on Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Sarah. That was such a beautiful introduction. So thank you very, very much. I greatly appreciate that. I love that example and I use it a lot in my practice because of the fact that even you know, in the same family, how different individuals are, especially children in their development of speech. And it is honestly a question I get all the time. I love not to 
talk about the online process and we'll talk about that a little bit at some point. I don't want to jump right away to that, but I love that you're an online business for lack of a better term, because right now I can tell you where I'm from. There's a long waiting list for patients to get in to speech therapy. So you could see it is such an important part of the growth and development of children. And it's something that Quite honestly, like I said, I talk about every day. Yeah, absolutely. It is such an important part. I completely agree with you. When it comes to speech and language and the milestones, milestones are, are, are great and we have guidelines. So when little ones, they're like, well, when should they say their first word? Or, you know, shouldn't they be doing this at some point? And it to use it as a guideline, it's not set in stone and it's not completely concrete. It has that flexibility for a reason because little ones do develop on their own timeline. And we can encourage them to communicate, but we can't push them into communication and having them advance before they're ready. So I love that you pointed that out. Your little one just wasn't quite ready. And I love that he even said, I do talk. It's just hard to get a word in agile. It's the truth. I hate to say, but uh, you're right. And, and I see that when I see the kids come in, because in the early infant months. I see them every two months and then it's every three and then every six and so on. So I get a chance to see the big change, but parents, they do worry because they're looking at their child day to day. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're comparing with another child or a friend's child or a relative. So tell me a little bit about language development. Give me some examples if you don't mind. Absolutely. I love that. So usually when, when, I had close ones that were telling me that they were pregnant. I was like, great, keep talking. Because when that baby is developing in the womb, it's it's developing and there's so much going on. As you well know, there's so much going on. And as advanced as our science and, and education and health field is, there's still stuff we don't know. So to keep talking because they can actually hear you in the womb. And then once they're here, oh, the blessed day has arrived, keep talking. So the reason that this is so important is that that mind and body are growing. Once they're here and they're a part of the world and they were so excited, it's important to remember that they're hearing all this information and those neurons are continuing to develop and those neuropathways are continuing to connect. And that's why it's so important is because this language part of the brain and the entire system is developing And as we're talking, all this information is going in. And that's a great thing, especially when they're little, what they're listening for. They can hear the distinction between voices. They can hear the distinction between tones. They're working to understand their environment. And when they come in, they know nothing about this environment. We're wired to to understand language, but language has to be put in for us to really make sense of it. They have to experience language. And that's why talking is so important as you're talking to your little one and you're rocking with them and you're singing songs to them. What you're also doing is you're giving them foundational communication information. It depends on how you ask a question when your voice goes up, that's going in. When you're making a statement, that's going in. When you're rhyming, when you're turn-taking, when you're changing your voice, when you're expressing your emotion... All of that is going into communication, and it's so much more than just words. 70% of our communication is nonverbal, which is why face-to-face communication is important, which is why them seeing you communicate and seeing you interact 
is so important because they're working to make sense of all that you are doing. So to keep talking to little ones is a great thing to do. Whether you want to read out loud, whether you want to talk to them about what they're doing, I'm going to pick you up out of the crib and I'm going to put you, we're going to go in the tub and we're going to put the, turn the water on. As you're doing your day-to-day activities, tell them what you're doing. And you may feel like you're narrating or you're sports casting or you're over talking, but it's so important because they don't know any of this information. And as you're interacting with them, that's what you're giving them. You're giving them connection, but you're also giving them communication and information that is so vital to their ability to communicate in this world. It is such an amazing time and it's also incredibly special and it's, it grows so, so quickly. It's funny that you say that because a lot of times I'll say to parents, just wait, there's going to be a word explosion. I, I will <laughs> tell them when the time is right. And it, it is true. It, it's it's exactly like that. So what I hear you saying is you're describing what we are you know, in the, in the healthcare field know as receptive speech, mm-hmm. and then there's expressive speech. Can you Absolutely. T- explain the two? Um, and how they differ. I love that you pointed that out. Absolutely. So when it comes to speech and language, speech is actually the articulation, the voice, the fluency of how we're speaking, speaking clearly. When it comes to language, there's two parts. There's the receptive component, as you mentioned, our ability to understand language. Can we follow commands? Can we understand the question that came in? Can we identify what somebody is asking of us. Can we understand that it was a request or it was a question? Everything that you're doing as a listener, that is the receptive part of language. Then we have the expressive part of language, which is everything that I'm quite literally doing as I'm talking to you, how I structure my sentences, the grammatical component of my sentences, adding emphasis. So if you're talking about something that's oh so soft and it feels so good, that's the adding that texture and adding that enhancement to your language is so important because that is how we understand the world. So that is an amazing point that you pointed out. For little ones, I love that you pointed out a language explosion, those words explosions. Um, some people call them spurts, some call them explosions. I usually call them explosions. Some people um, said their their word blossoms because they just start to unfold. And that's a great, great thing. Usually by their first birthday, they'll start to have one to two words and then they'll start to pick up words a bit more or they'll make what we refer to as approximations. They're working to say the word and they're working to identify it or identify the object or communicate to you in some way, shape or form. And then between 18, 18 and 24 months, you'll see this really start to grow and really start to build, which is a great thing. And babies are always communicating. So I'll backtrack a little bit. (laughs) When they're engaged with your face, when they're looking at your eyes, when they're looking at your mouth, that is engaged attention. They're working to understand you. And as you're talking with them and you're modeling them and their little coups that they make and you make them back, or as you're singing to them, you're showing them turn-taking skills and you're showing them sounds that you make, but you're also showing how you express. And that's a great thing because then they're going to start modeling you and they understand, oh, if I cry this way, I will get this. If I make this noise, they'll come here. And that's how they communicate. They communicate through their coos, their babbles, their cries. That is communication. Once we actually start to talk and say, 
oh, these are our words. This is what I'm working. My baby's not communicating. They're 12 months old. Well, they've been communicating, but are we talking about words? So that's when you really start to talk more about the functional communication that everybody's listening for. Oh, do they say their first word? What was their first word? (laughs) And how that starts to build. It starts in coos and babbles and cries, and then it starts to string together between the mmms and the oohs and the vowels that they make. They build upon themselves. So they'll go from ma, which is consonant and vowel, to mama, consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel. And they will continue to build from there. I remember Gabe could say dada before he could say mama. Mm-hmm. And of course, John thought that was absolutely amazing. And I said, well, he can say kaka too. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's true. And and it, I love that you pointed out that they are expressing even if they're not saying words, just by pointing. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll ask quite often in my in my practice, do they point, do they pull, do they kind of guide you? And, and that's all part of expression. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that sometimes I worry about because of, you know, there could be roadblocks. Let's talk about some things that might interfere with that process. Absolutely. We can definitely talk about that. Just specifically as in if, so let's say you, you are having your second or your third child, some things that might shift that component, even if they have those really great understanding skills where you say like, oh, let's find your teddy bear. And they're able to go and go get their teddy bear or let's put on our shoes and they're able to go and find their shoes. That's a great thing from an expressive component. When you have other siblings there, Sometimes what can happen is the other siblings will start talking for that younger one. And that indicates to the younger one, I don't need to talk. Somebody's doing it for me. I got nothing to do. They'll take care of it. That's right. And that can hinder their growth for sure. It's interesting, too, because I love how you describe the narrative. I actually, I, I feel good about my practice because I, I, I do tell people that, you know, when you're dressing, say, let's put your arm in the shirt or you want the cup cup, but I never ask them. I never recommend that they not give the child the cup or what they need, you know, until they say it, that that's Mm -hmm. totally different, right? Mm-hmm. Totally different. So what I like to do is offer opportunities to speak. So let's say it's your first one, or even even if you're if it's your third one and you're noticing that they're not communicating with words, what I like to offer is opportunities for them to talk. Because rather than say this, say this, say this, say this, mm-hmm. that can be very, very aggressive to their system and they're going to pretty much power down and start to turn away. But when you start to offer opportunities such as putting just a few banana slices on the plate so that they then have to indicate to you more and they might just look at you and point. But if they, if you're like, Oh, do you want more? Let me hear you more and encourage that, that initiation. And you might get, Oh, we got a vocalization and that's a great thing. And you celebrate that because they might not come out with, I want more please. (laughs) And that's okay. But to initiate that vocalization, letting them know that they can communicate and that you want to hear what they have to say is a great thing. And then either other times, um, you know, if you hide a stuffed animal in a certain place and they open up the car door and you're like, oh, hi, Mr. Elephant. Hi. And that way they're offering the surprise opportunity in a very functional way because 
some people will think like, oh, I really want them to talk. I need to sit them down and focus on this. No, make it fun, make it functional. And that's what's so important because we are so busy doing things. But at the same time, because we're doing so many things, we can also talk throughout the things that we're doing. Okay, well, let's ta- it's time to make dinner. Let's cut this up or it's time to fold laundry. Make it an activity, make it fun because that way it's very engaging and they want to participate. And it also offers opportunities oh, can you, you try this and giving them that opportunity to try and fold something or to try and indicate to you like here, oh, you passed to me. I passed to you. Yay. And making it very, very functional. Another great thing to do is to break up their routine. So when you go put them in the tub, don't turn the water on. We're so busy wanting to go ahead because we're faster and we know that we'll get it done. And we know that we're already in a rush, but kids don't operate like that. We need to allow them the space to be in that moment and offer that opportunity. So you put them in the tub and don't turn the water on and they're going to indicate you, uh, something's wrong. (laughs) And that's a great thing. That's offering them more opportunity to, to initiate communication or doing something silly, like putting a bowl on your head. They're going to look at you and go, huh? And they're going to indicate to you something's off about this. And that's a great thing. And it's again, fun, functional and playful. And just really offering that time and that engagement. And then as you're doing that, you're having this great back and forth that they're seen and they're heard and they're important and you're engaged with them. You want their attention and they want your attention. Do you find in this time where there's so much media, whether Mm -hmm. it's, and really we could be talking about very, you know, infants all the way up through toddlers and, um, you know, preschoolers, where their development is, that's when it's, you know, we all know that that's their rapid growth. It's the same with their speech. That's where we see that all those changes in those first five years. What do you, or have you noticed more kids that may be, I hate to use the word delayed, but going at their own pace, which I I use that a lot because Mm -hmm. I do believe that, again, every child is a little bit individual. And I I love that you said that there's a range because it's very hard to put a fine line on on some things at development. Now, we do have some benchmarks, you know, Mm -hmm. and milestones, as you mentioned, that we want to try to get to, but sometimes kids are just on their, on their own journey. Mm -hmm. But I worry about kids who aren't getting that back and forth Mm -hmm. from their caregiver and is getting more from just watching a video or movie or et cetera. And I, I don't know if you've noticed a difference in their, in the development one way or the other. Definitely. And what's really important is watching TV, watching a program is very passive. And it's great because you have information going in, but you don't have that initiation or that socialization. So to really have that back and forth, even you and I aren't physically together, we are having a back and forth and engaged conversation, even with technology. So that's a great thing is that that does exist and that really is important. But to also really support that physical engagement, whether they're engaging with somebody else in the house or a sibling or on the playground. It's so important because this is how we communicate. We can watch something, which is fine, but when you experience it, it's a completely different 
neurowiring, neuropathway firing, and to really understand how to have that back and forth. And when I furrow my brow, what my emotions mean, or when I smile, what I'm indicating, or or how all these emotions are actually being conveyed. It's very different when it's on TV and you're just watching. It's very, very passive. And what we have, um, what we're finding now, especially, you know, two years since the initial onset of the pandemic almost, um, that when you cover up the face, so 70% of our communication is nonverbal and that we covered up the face for a period of time, those little minds and bodies were still growing. They weren't pausing just because the world paused and they did miss out on this social communication in the sense that it wasn't during that brain development. So now we're seeing more kids need speech therapy services because they're missing these social communication cues. They're missing pieces of expression and how to really interact, but also because they were isolated you know, in 2018, 2019, you would take your child to the grocery store and didn't think twice about it. Right. You would take them to the playground. You would take them to swim classes. And they were getting all this language, all this information, all this stimulation, which was great. And then the world went on pause and you didn't have people come over and you weren't necessarily, you may have had some conversations on the phone, but were you? Because there was just so many questions going on and they weren't going outside into the community. So they missed a big chunk of social engagement and information that wasn't there, which is why it's so important that we really catch these children and work with them and that we don't let them go through the cracks because it is vital to our communication, how we socialize in this world, how we grow up and learn information, not just in schools, but also how we then go out into the workforce and and provide service and care to people. You make a good point. I, for the first time, quite honestly, I didn't really give thought about how the masks do affect speech and language development. And uh, because of that expression, because of even, you know, we do, I think we talk a little less when we're wearing the masks. And mm-hmm. I am happy that things are opening up, which is wonderful, but we're not all the way, you know, we're not mm-hmm. all the way there yet. And so yeah. I try to tell parents, you know, I, I, I try to offer guidelines in regards to media, for example. But one thing I do recommend is even if you are going to watch a video, watch it together and talk about mm-hmm. it. And, oh, absolutely. And that's a wonderful way. You know, if it's snowing outside and you're like, well, I'm just trying to figure out a little moment to entertain my child, that's fine. But then make that an opportunity to talk about it. Or Completely. obviously reading is always yeah. going to be um, such a great asset. I love too, and reading in language, jumping to that point, I talk to parents and say, when you read, you don't always have to read all of the words Mm-hmm. let's point to pictures. Let's talk yeah. about the colors that you see and, and you know, different things on the page or maybe what noises that the animals make, for example, and trace things with your finger. And there's so much you can do to interact. And all of that stimulates and helps them build that language, that expression, and, um, and, and makes you know, helps them advance. And like you said, is fun. That stuff is fun. 
Absolutely. I love that you pointed out about electronics. So with electronics, some what some people have un, unfortunately admitted to because they weren't very proud of it, but when the pandemic first hit, they were then home with their child and they did not have the ability to stop working because we needed to put food on the table. And that is an absolutely true statement. And what ended up in some cases where little ones were in front of the TV for eight hours at a time, just because that was the situation that people were in. So it's not as in a judgment of no electronics are terrible. It is what it is. We we were all in a situation that we had very little control over and we did the best that we could at the time with what we had. And that's really, really important. But to to passively consistently do it will actually result in in lowered um not lower brain development, smaller brain development. And when they're exposed to electronics in that passive situation for eight hours on end for extended periods of time, four or five, six months, that brain development does shift. And it's important to socially engage with children. And I love that you pointed out about watching it together, because that's really, really important. You're not only having that connection, you then get to have that story time afterwards. And they know that you were there with them. And a lot of the time I'll tell parents, they'll I'll hear something along the lines of like, oh, I'm being bad. I'm on my phone and they'll put their, their phone away. And I'll say, you know what? Electronics are here to stay. It's okay. Show them the good in it. Show them the that they can be used for good and to educate them. And if they have questions, that's a great question. Let's look it up together. And that way they're seeing and hearing that you heard them. You don't know the answer. And that's a great thing because parents aren't supposed to know everything, even though that's what some of us were taught. Parents know all. <laughs> um, but to also look it up together and show them that electronic devices can be used for good, that there is information and that it is beneficial. So there is a fine line between, um, you know, making sure that you're using it versus overly exposing them for eight, 10 hours a day and being dismissive of your child. So I just wanted to clarify that component. I think that's a great clarification and also not making it negative. And you're right, they're they're not going anywhere. I was talking to somebody today and we were talking about the cell phone and it's a blessing and a curse. You know, there's there really are a lot of great things about it, but there's no reason we can't teach our children what I call etiquette in some ways, you know, once they get older, you can use that word, but just telling them the good things and, and when it's time, when it's not, uh, and when to just put it down and actually have a good conversation. Etiquette. I love that. That's such a great, great way to, to describe it. There is etiquette, phone etiquette. What do you, what would you tell a parent? A lot of times I, I, we'll get a, let's, let's specifically go back and talk about that age between 12 and 18 months. And I bring that up because I would say in my practice, that's where I get the most questions. Because when we look at, you said one or two words, and then by 18 months, it could be anywhere from like four words, maybe to 20 words. And that's a, that's a big range, so to speak. And I, I feel like that's a time when we worry the most. Is our child talking enough? And so what are some things that they can look for in regards to knowing, okay, it's time to talk to my child's doctor 
and do some of these fun things and at home, which we'll go back over. And then ultimately when it's time to actually see a speech pathologist like yourself. Absolutely. That's a great question, especially because people are so eager to hear those first words and to hear them start talking in sentences. And they're like, why aren't you talking? Why aren't you talking? What am I doing wrong? The first thing I always like to share with people, you're not doing anything wrong. It's okay. Because so many people will come in thinking they did something wrong or they harm their child. And that's not it at all. This is simply where we are. And when it comes to that point, you pointed out beautifully earlier, intentional communication. Are they taking your hand and showing you what they want? Are they indicating to you and pointing to what they want? Are they attempting to communicate? They might not be coming out with these beautiful words, but are they communicating? And I think there's very a very clear point in that. What are they showing you that they can do? Children are constantly learning and developing. So we as parents and guardians have to really develop our acuity of what can they do? We're focused on what they can't do, but what can they do? What am I missing? Are they are they showing me that they they want something and I can figure it out because they're signing to me or they're pointing and, and pulling me over or they're bringing me the toy and they're bringing me what they want to engage in? That is absolutely intentional communication. And that's a great thing. When you notice that there isn't a lot of eh, eh, or a lot of approximations vocalizations is what we call them also. When you find that your child may be communicating in physical, as in they're pulling you or they're showing you, but you're not hearing the attempt or the or the vocalization or the laughter, I would definitely say that would be a red flag because they can make some sound and you know that they can make some sound from those coos and from those babbles. Are they stringing their vowels together? Are they? Do you hear vocal play? Another great thing to do is to look at other children but as a guideline, what is, what is if they're, whether they have a cousin or a friend or they're in a social group, just observe what other children are doing. And again, it's not that you're doing anything wrong. This is simply where we are. And notice what else they're doing. So, uh, typically, I love that you, the little one produced Dada first. <laughs> um, it is typically P, B, and M, but mm, because we make those sounds on the lips and they're constantly watching our mouth and watching our face for those sounds that we're making. So that's typically why they they come first, especially because we're usually saying yum or mm <laughs> while we're eating 14,000 times. And we're quite literally showing them we bring our lips together and mm, we turn our voice on. So that tends to be why those sounds emerge more, more often than not before the day. But the D sound can absolutely emerge and other sounds will emerge in time. Are they attempting those approximations? So as we said earlier of when they want more, are they vocalizing to you that they want more? Uh, Another big one is, do they seem frustrated? Mm. If they can't communicate to you, it's going to be very apparent because they're going to be frustrated and they may have meltdowns more, more, more frequently, or they may even be physical at some times. And I know but that poor two-year-old range got such a terrible rap. I know. I usually like to reframe it. It's the terrific twos. They're they're making so many gains. You just can't wait to see what they are because they do know what they want to say, but they might not have the skill set just yet. And that's okay. If I, I often encourage people to listen to their instincts. If you think something is off, reach out to somebody. Mm. At Better Speech, we, you're able to pop onto betterspeech.com and we provide a free 15-minute consult 
where you can ask us questions. And that way you get in touch with a professional, especially around the areas that I live in. These clinics sometimes are waiting six months, three months in early intervention, which is, it's great that they're there, but that's a long time for a little mind and body that is going to keep growing and it's not going to hit pause especially if you're rolling over in the middle of the night and you have questions. If you're anything like me, I like to speak with a professional the next business day as soon as possible, to be quite honest. I'm, and I, I'm love there that, <laughs> I love that we're there to be able to provide that care. Get in touch with a speech language pathologist. You will talk with one directly and we will be able to guide you and say, okay, you know what? It sounds like you have some concerns. Let's set up a session. It's not a full-blown commitment for five years of your life. It's a session to get a better idea. Or even if you're like, okay, you know what? I think from the sound of it, speech therapy services may be warranted. We provide monthly plans. So that way you can work with a clinician. You can get matched as soon as the very next day. And you're able to work with a clinician and get that information. Another great thing that I love about our ability to provide these services, we're in your home. We are there with you. We're in your child's most comfortable space. And we are so convenient. You don't have to get in the car, drive 45 minutes, grab a snack along the way, stop for groceries, possibly stop for gas, <laughs> and then get to the clinic. And then go home and, and get back there. It's not 30 minutes suddenly becomes a two-hour procedure. It's our session is our session, and it's functional, and it's efficient, and it's effective. And there are so many great benefits to it. And if you have those instincts, pe- people will sometimes like push those instincts down. Here's the worst that's going to happen. You're going to get some information. That's the worst that's going to happen. And that's a really great deal. It is. It is. It's really good. When you gave that example of, you know, you had to get in the car and then this and that and this and that, and then all hoping that your child cooperates in that 30 minutes or so that they're with the speech pathologist, you know, that, that never mind, you know, all that too. Mm -hmm. And, and I like that idea Is there any difference in regards to any studies or research that has been shown with online versus in-person? And not that I have specifically seen, which is a great question, because I will definitely go do that research right now. What For me in, in the state of Pennsylvania, we're still in masks when you go to a clinic or at a face shield of some sort. And that can really, aside from now taking your child out of their comfortable space and bringing them into a clinic where they really don't know, may not feel comfortable, you're also then separating parent and child or guardian and child. And then it's another level of discomfort because they are like, okay, well now even more things are, are strange. And then you involve a mask or a shield of some sort. And it just adds to the complexity of it. What's beautiful about Better Speech is that we're there with you quite literally in your home. Mm -hmm. So when I have the child with me, I also have the guardian or the parent with me and I can educate them on what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And here's how to do it at home. Mm -hmm. Cause I usually get 30 or 60 minutes with your child. Whereas you get the rest of the time with your child and you know, your child best. So it's great because I'm able to coach the parent and explain to them what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And Here's other ways to incorporate it. Like I said, a lot of times people will think I need to sit down and do this. And it's not like that at all. Make it fun. Make it engaging. Make it a part of your day. We have a great platform where we can actually provide games so that you can practice together with when you want to practice. You can make it fun and engaging. And it's not this, you know, drone situation where you both feel bored. 
it's really fun and engaging. And you're using your time wisely. And I love that your name, the name of, of um, your um, better speech, your service is better speech because yeah. we're not asking for perfect speech. We're asking mm-hmm. that it's better. And Absolutely. there's so many different ways we can think about that better speech, but also better way to get that, um, that therapy in my mind, it does sound like a better way for all the reasons that, that you mentioned they're in their home. They're comfortable. The parent is right there. They're, mm-hmm engaging with somebody who's not wearing a mask in a strange space. Mm -hmm. And especially when we're talking about language. Completely. Absolutely. And a lot of the time, you know, if, if they go, you've now waited six months to get this evaluation and now you have to go to the clinic. And in the event that your child doesn't have a great rapport with the clinician, that's going to affect therapy also. And then you have to wait for another clinician to open up. Whereas if, you know, I, I really encourage people, you know, it's not one and done. If you don't feel like it's a match and you're not getting as much benefit as you want, that's okay. This is simply just like dating or, or this is simply like when you would, you try something and okay, this isn't the right fit for me. Let me try somebody else. Or let me try working with somebody, another clinician, same thing, because we have the availability, we have the, the ability to offer so many time slots and so much service to people. If it's not a great fit right off the bat, no problem. We can match you with somebody as easily as we did to be in with. And that's a great thing because it's really important that you have the trust and the connection and the rapport, not just with the parent and the clinician, but also with the child and the clinician. How does then their pediatrician or their child's doctor get the information back regarding the evaluation and or the therapy? That's an amazing question. I love that question. How do they communicate with the with the physician completely? With our service, we are providing online speech therapy services. So when I go to write my note, it goes right to where they can see it. If I was using a system like Epic, they have to go through the whole channel to figure out how to obtain those records. Because of the way that our system is set up, we are HIPAA compliant, but also they have access to their documentation. And a great thing is also we provide them with what we refer to as our super bill, which means they can actually go to their insurance company and work with their insurance company to ensure those services are covered because that is just as important these days. You know, sometimes you'll go and do a copay when you go into a clinic which is way more than than our therapy services, just simply being online and how you've also added gas to the car. And in addition to that, that's true. Because our we do our absolute best to make it affordable. We already know we're effective. We already know we're efficient, and we absolutely know for sure that we are affordable for people. And if it's one session or if it's a monthly session, we're able to provide those services, and then you can get those services reimbursed. I tell parents all the time. At first, we do the evaluation, and they may just suggest some fun things at home to do like you have, but they also may recommend therapy, and that could be dependent on what the child's need is and how they're progressing during the therapy. So it doesn't always mean that they need specific uh, therapy with a speech pathologist. It may just mean the evaluation and here are some things that you can do at home and maybe we follow up at a certain time, but it also could be uh, therapy as well. 
And, Completely. and I, I would imagine that compliance and the, um, and the growth and response that you see from your patients is, is really good. Absolutely. And another great thing is that when we're, when we're able to be in your home and the parent or guardian is there, the child then understands even more so that they're seen, they're heard, and that they're important. And that collective, that joint treatment of coming together to help and to be of service re- resonates so much more. And it's it's just absolutely incredible when you have that connection and when you have that incorporation of parent and child and coach and, and physician or in clinician and, and physician, it's huge. The, the amount of progress that they make is just so fantastic. I use that expression quite often, and I'm sure if there's those that have listened to my podcast, uh, other, other uh, sessions, I do say that a lot, is that children really just want to be seen and heard and, and feel safe. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't come up with that expression, you know, <laughs> um, but when I hear you say it, it really just emphasizes that uh, how important it really is. Well, Truly. I cannot thank you enough. I know I'm a better person for having <laughs> met you and had an opportunity to talk to you. I I love your positive energy and the fact that one of my passions is to help families live a better life and get the answers that they that they need because we we are all busy. We're all just doing the best we can and you know Feeling guilty like I've done something wrong or I haven't done enough is something that, you know, I really strive to help parents realize you're doing great. And I love that you said, this is just where we are. And so I know, like I said, um, I'm really thankful for our time. Is there any last words that you'd like to share? Thank you so much for allowing me to be here with you. I truly appreciate your time. It was absolutely fantastic speaking with you. Well, I would love to have you back sometime because I think it would be fun. Uh, Another topic in the future is that kind of preschool, early elementary age when the kids are really doing well, but maybe they're not fluent 100%. And that's another question and another time. So (laughs) I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. And don't forget to follow me wherever you listen to your shows, especially Spotify or Apple Podcast. And let's do better at growing up together. recording stopped. I feel so bad because I all of a sudden I was like, shoot, I'm not recording this. And then I didn't know if like it would come up on the recording. <laughs> I should have been like, time out, time out. That was wonderful. You, I'm I, so glad. I really, I mean, your your thoughts and your recommendations are, are truly in line with the way that I practice. And I'm certainly not a that. speech pathologist, but I, I'm very You're encouraged. quite brilliant. Have you met you? <laughs> no, I just feel like it's just good old truth, you know, what, what we need to tell them. We try to make things so much more complicating, I feel, and it really doesn't need to be, but it's, it is so important. And uh, I know that I'm definitely going to be recommending 
people get in contact with you. So. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was lovely talking to you. <laughs> I had such a great time. Oh my God, we are so in alignment because we could sit here and talk for hours. I know. <laughs> if you want to do another one, hands down, I am all game. I mean, I mean that I do because I, I do get a, that's like, there's so many levels here, you know, and oh, yeah. you even said working with adults, although I'm not feeling very articulate right now because of my nose, but I feel that um, you did great, <laughs> but I do feel you know. Then that next step is okay. Is my child saying enough? And then the other is: are they are they talking okay? Like are they fluent? Mm-hmm. And and it's yeah. it's funny. I didn't say this, and maybe I will in the future. But I teach a lot of medical students and residents too, and. I try to come up with fun ways for them to remember the developmental milestones. And I just feel like I have to share this with you because it's kind of fun. But I'll say at one, they, we want to make sure they're saying one word Mm -hmm. at two. It would be great if they're putting two words together and then three, you know, three words together and then four more Mm -hmm. sentences. And it just helps them remember Completely. And then when it comes to fluency, I'll say, well, at two, we only understand half of what they say. And at three, it's like three quarters. We under understand. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And at four, it's four quarters. So it's 100%. So those are some fun things. And I do share that with families as well, because they do get so worried, like something's wrong. And I'm like, they're great. You're doing great. And then then I feel like I really have to convince them. But Mm -hmm. I also do believe that they know them their kids better than anyone. Yeah. Hands down. So yeah, I look at them and I'm like, I can get a a pulse of they don't, you know, I'm, I try to listen and because parents want to be, listen, want want to be heard (laughs) too. And, um, and, you know, I will go ahead and, and provide that speech therapy, but I almost feel like I'd love to even have you speak sometime to other pediatricians if you've ever ever be interested in. Absolutely. Because I truly believe, too, that part of the reason why many of our specialists are so bogged down is because many of our ambulatory primary care doctors are so busy that they're just referring out. You guys are so busy. I don't even know how you keep up because... Even just knowing how busy a regular physician is, then you're a specialist. Because I don't even know how you keep up with it. Are you in private practice or well, do I you work, work with a company? So I work for, um, we have a, a children's hospital here in uh, mm-hmm. Akron, Ohio. And so I, I, for the first 11 years, I was in an individual practice. And then okay. about 16 years ago, they bought out our practice and it's been wonderful. I was always on staff at that hospital and I did my residency. So mm-hmm. I had a, a, the relationship was there already, but yeah. it's, um, it, it, this is why I started the podcast because in, you know, we get a literally for a two or a three year visit, we get 15 minutes on our Yeah, schedule. you do. And it's like, I want to talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's why I did this because a lot of times I'll, I'll be like, Hey, I did a podcast on that and yeah. we can come back and talk about that sometime. But mm-hmm. in the interim, like I, and I've just had an opportunity to meet amazing people like yourself oh, that have awesome. so much to offer others. So that's, yeah. that's the whole idea. So do you tell your nurses like, um, link this podcast to them? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you what I just did. Um, I, I just ordered like a, and my husband who's not 
in healthcare at all. He's in um, finance, but he came up with the idea, his business card, because he hates carrying business cards around. He got a card that has a QR. Yep. So I have that now. That's awesome. it, It links to, you know, different things so that this way they can easily go to it. And that is fantastic. Yeah. I love that. Well, because I mean, that that's what they want too. You know, it's, yeah, they've got the phone. I loved that you said, like, let's keep this positive because I, yeah, I, that's, that's a really good point. I'm going to use that for sure. When they're like, cause sometimes they'll even say to me when I walk in the room, they'll be like, put your phone down, you know? And, and, yeah. and I can tell like, if they're uneasy, it's almost or, like a shame. Yeah. yeah. And, and I said, you know, if it's okay with you, you know, we can, you know, whatever the situation, mm-hmm. it depends on the situation. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So, um, and I think it's just, it's, they're not going anywhere. It's so important to be able to show people that it can be used for good. And I love that you said etiquette. God, <laughs> that's amazing. Well, because and, it's so, it's so yeah, true. It is. It is. I do worry about the media aspect and, and oh, yeah. how it's, um, it's affecting, their growth and development in so Completely. many ways, even physically, you know, oh, yeah. obviously we already know, I mean, but it, so that's, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to be a downer on that, but no, I just t- thought, literally look, because <laughs> even from this and then what's that, the, the chemical hormonal balance of depression just reinforces what's happening here. And then they're, they're constantly grabbing your attention and our attention span has gotten shorter mm-hmm. and they're just, it's important to point out the good, but it's also there's two sides to everything and there is good, but there is also things that they are purposefully taking and robbing your time because they're working for your attention and your money. Yeah. Oh really? yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. Well, uh, thank you again. So I could talk to you for ages. I know we oh could. We sh- I wish you lived closer. We'd go get coffee. Honestly, honestly. Okay. Keep me posted when you want to do another. Yes. If you can send me your logo and your headshot okay. as well as the audio whenever it's ready. That way we can post it on our end and we will connect those and get all those good backlinks. Do you want the raw audio or the one that includes like my, cause they, they add my, I have a disclaimer obviously, because since, you know, when I'm in the medical field, I always have to be like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a pediatrician, but use this for your information kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you, would you rather have the raw or do you want the actual one that's going to be posted? The one that's going to be posted is perfectly okay. fine, just so that way we don't violate any any concerns of yours or anything like that. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And this is going to be launched um, next Tuesday. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Super excited. Awesome. <laughs> thank too. you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Lovely spending time with you. You too. Stay well. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.